Hey everyone, grace and peace to you. This is Jessica, and I am on a podcast today with my fellow staff member and friend Matt, and a fellow friend and congregant Gabby Elzate. She's on staff with Because Justice Matters, and she's been attending our church since 2012. And, you know, as a church, we are in a current series called Future Church, a way of life for the church of the future. And this past Sunday sermon was titled, A Community of Justice in a Culture of Consumerism and Materialism. So we have a lot and fun things to talk about today. We <laughs> sure do, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not some fun, and if some fun and easy topics, right? Yeah. So um, I guess to get started, what are some first things that we, you know, thought of when we we're digesting the sermon and all the things. I'll, I'll go ahead and, um, yeah, I just think anytime that I'm hearing a sermon that um, speaks to justice uh, in a more like specific pointed way um, as like that is what it means to follow God. Mm-hmm. Um, I It's sobering mm-hmm. and substantial. And I think that's the thing that got me about, uh, you know, Dave teaching about justice on Sunday was, um, you know, there's like a call to, uh, you know, be intentionally just as a person if you're following Jesus. And it's kind of, um, well, for me to think about how much I've always thought of following Jesus as like a primarily spiritual thing Mm -hmm. that I do on my Mm -hmm. own, uh, Versus uh, a a social and just and system caring for and loving my neighbor thing, even though that's like what it's always been about. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And isn't that so crazy? Mm-hmm. I'm hearing some mm-hmm's, like maybe you can. Yeah, no, I that. feel like we've just hijacked this term to be all about intellect. I've talked a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, with fellow staff members and friends. And I mean, Gabby, you and I were just talking about this, about how justice is actually a whole body experience Mm -hmm. like Jesus had intended it to be. Mm -hmm. And so often I think even for me, I'm guilty of this. I, it was a warning to me of being like making it not just about using what I know and how to use my brain to do things, but I actually requires like my actual body to do something. So, um, I just was very warned. (laughs) It was very sobering to be like, it requires a lot more. Yeah. Yes. Totally. And I think for me, one of the things that stuck out was this idea of how closely related righteousness and justice Mm -hmm. are, that the way that we actually act towards our neighbor is directly correlated with our like righteousness and relationship with God as well. And so as much as it's like this personal thing, it's also this very community oriented thing and that our service and our, the way that we like love and care for and like confront oppression is actually connected to the way that we relate to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, one, one piece that like, I mean, there's so many pieces to the <laughs> sermon that just like hit home for me, yeah. but one, um, is that text, uh, that is like a freaking throw the gauntlet down, t- <laughs> you know, piece of the Bible where Jesus is separating the, the, um, goat from the sheep mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and God's identification with the poor, oppressed and marginalized mm-hmm. and, and he, and they're like, where were you, Jesus? We would have fed you. We would have cared for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whatever you did unto the least of me or did not do for the least of, of these, you did to me. And to have God say, like, um, not only is the, the poor, marginalized, oppressed, uh, not other, 
mm-hmm. from you. I am that person. Mm-hmm. And I think in that is an invitation for every Christian who is trying to become like Jesus to also similarly say, I am among mm-hmm. the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized. What is happening to them is happening to me. A deep I, communal mm-hmm. identification. And, and of course, there's going to be differences and distinctions that are always going to be there. But mm-hmm. to identify with, um, you know, folks who are down and out and to see the ways that we are down and out in our own lives and uh, not glaze over them and but all of that right so I mean I, I feel like I'm going on and on but that's the thing that what well, another one of those kind of gut punching moments when mm-hmm. when Dave was mm-hmm. preaching and uh and it is like a, a really challenging text that that we have in the Bible in the inspired word of God that we have to reckon with as followers mm-hmm. of Jesus and that it will cost you something mm. like that identification with the poor will cost you something mm. and lever- leveraging the privilege that we have is going to cost us a lot. <laughs> like yeah. the, the generosity that God actually invites us into of that identification with the poor and like that radical generosity isn't comfortable. Yeah. And in a culture where comfort and consumerism and materialism is so dare I say idolized, right? Like comfort, consumerism and materialized that it will cost us a lot to lay that idol down on the altar. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that (laughs) piece for a second? Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I think that even gets tricky though. I love that though, because it's, well, I relate to Matt's point because I feel like we are all in a sense, poverty, not only in spirit, but as we identify with Jesus, following Jesus, we are that poor in spirit person. So poverty is part of it. It isn't just about materialism and consumerism, but there is lo- it can look in many different ways, right? And so mm-hmm. but then there's that aspect of consumerism and materialism that I would say is an idol. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. it does totally. replace or we equate it to lots of different things that are not of God and I think it does cost us something to be aware and to open up our minds and our hearts to what is that even just personally for us? I mean, I know it's pretty easy to point it at somebody else for sure. But like when we turn that mirror back on us, we're like, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's not good. Totally. And you could see like, as you listen to the podcast or the sermon, (laughs) you could hear that recognize when people are like, Oh, ha ha ha. This is so funny. Or amen. And then there were the the silent moments too, where you're like, Ooh, that that hit home like yeah. pin drop <laughs> yes yeah. yeah it's like the part where we were talking about this Gabby of like where Dave had mentioned like you know any of you guys it's easy for you to actually I'm going to totally botch this but I he said it's the dangerous alchemy when you mm-hmm. serve but don't change the way you live it was silent. My husband was like, oh, there's no whoop there. Like, it was just silent because it's, we realized that. It's convicting. It's convicting. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go oh. ahead, Jessica. You were mid-thought. I just wanted to. Oh, no. I was saying there. that. No, it was like that. It is so convicting. There's moments like that where I think, God, like, we should listen and be attentive. Just moments like that. Those are invitations. It's not yeah. meant to shame. Yeah. It's just like there. I think sometimes it's the spirit saying, hey pay attention to that. Like pay attention. Mm-hmm. What, what about that is so uncomfortable for you? <laughs> These moments where things come into clarity, a yes. moment of clarity. Moment yes. of clarity. Yeah. Yes. Things become like kind of black and white almost in a, yes. in a gray world. It's just yes. like, Oh my gosh, I'm on this side of things and yep. not that side of things. And like, that's freaking me out actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you got something. The black and white <laughs> in the gray world like that. Yeah. 
if we're when we're talking about justice, that's a really interesting way yeah. to think it mm. through the lens of like yeah. in the the different spheres of our our lives there is there can be gray but this is like one of those places in the bible where it's like no this is actually black and white yeah, yeah. yes yes <laughs> and i know that's uh, uh this is kind of drawing on the themes that have been in there for a while for us as a church but you know moral relativism what is yeah. truth you know it's all gray anyways right <laughs> and uh and and if if we want to like find the anchor places for what is the bright shining truth of the matter? This is one of these places where we can put down anchor, you know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. actually a really clear thing mm-hmm. in the Bible of um, justice, mm-hmm. justice to be people of justice. And I think of the way Jesus, Jesus's critique of the Pharisees. I, I had it put in a whole different frame through mm-hmm. this sermon, mm-hmm. which I'm so thankful for. And it makes so much sense because I think I had so often thought of, um, the Pharisees as being people who are, uh, you know, their problem is that they're really legalistic and self-righteous. And that's what Jesus is going after. Um, what if that's one layer that he's going after? <laughs> the second layer, though, is that they're extremely spiritual without acting in love and justice towards their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that was a part where I could see myself being Pharisaical in mm-hmm. a different sort of way. Because, you know, have, being a person who's spiritually mature, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> who also like, you know, in, invests in prayer life and so on and yeah. so forth. But to see, oh, actually, maybe that's, that might even be the most pharisaical mm-hmm. piece of me. Mm-hmm. The piece of me that is like so dedicated to spiritual growth and maturity, but does it um, perhaps even to the neglect mm. of proactively loving my neighbor and advancing justice socially. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a freaky, scary thing. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Um, so I was so thankful to have that reframe for me. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm, I'm talking a lot. You two go on. I'm so, so curious. What do you, we're what curiously do you nodding. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We're in agreement. What are the pieces that you two like heard in the sermon that you were just like, gosh, that grabbed me, that grabbed my attention, that was convicting, mm-hmm. uh, that was inspiring. What, what what grabbed either of you? Yeah, I think for me, one of the first things that Dave had identified was he really defined what biblical justice was. Mm-hmm. I think in today's society and culture, I don't know about you, but I get so overwhelmed at many people's interpretation of justice, what that means. Yes. There's social justice, there's environmental justice, there's like thousands of definitions of justice. Yeah. And I think when he started to describe what Mishpat was, which is like the order of relationship with Jesus and to how he brings things together in order, and his like loving order, motivated by love, I think... I realized I was like, wow, I I can't go by what the world is defining as justice or what my interpretation of justice Mm. is, right? Mm -hmm. That is so self-seeking in that. But to have that framework kind of switched, um, as well as we think about other factors that come into that, like power and privilege and all these other things, there is this other side to that of generosity and and, justice. Uh, I was like, I can't even think of it now. Like just, but generosity and the practice of like being simplistic Mm. and Mm. how those are in relationship to, it does restore biblical justice. Mm. There is a way out of that. And so it doesn't seem like this vortex of empty (laughs) definitions and just going down a rabbit hole of not sure where my footing is, but 
learning about that framework and reminding myself that there is biblical justice. It isn't mm. different, um, you know, totally different than some of the things, but it's not as confusing. And so that yeah. was a moment of true clarity for me of like a breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, that's good. Got it. That's nice. Yeah. Just to be, uh, I'm hearing you just like set set free by the biblical category yes. of justice yes. as mishpat, right? Yeah. 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 That's so cool. How about you, Gabby? Anything else stand out in the sermon? There were so many things that stood <laughs> out in the sermon, yeah. but I think that one of the pictures that he used um, of tying a shoe yes. oh, and yeah. like being a, a generous people that like your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is mm. doing. That idea that when he stopped to try to teach his daughter how, how to tie a shoe, like he couldn't do it because it was just so second nature. Yeah. And it like made me think about like, how can I be such a generous person that my left hand doesn't even know what I'm, mm. my right mm. hand is, is doing? Like my default is generosity. And how can we, how can we not teach our left hand what our right hand is doing as to like double guess our, our generosity, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. how can we like teach what our left hand is right hand is doing to impart that generosity into others that we can like create this community of generosity mm. that everyone's like, Oh, this is just what we do. This is right. just who we are. And yeah. what kind of impact could that happen or have, could that have in our families, communities, city, um, yeah, just to really embrace and impart that that generosity of this being second nature or this is, being completely natural. And yeah, default. yeah. When generosity mm-hmm. is muscle memory. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just like it's like riding a bike. Like you just know how to do it once you've learned, mm-hmm. and then you just keep doing it, right? Like. And we're we're actually so accustomed to it that it's just like, of course we're going to give yeah. to this. Of course we're going to support this organization. Of course we're going to give to this cause. Of course we're going to like do whatever we can yeah, feed our outdoor neighbor or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so expansive. It's beyond just like what we're giving just as like a financial aspect. I think like your guys is just explaining the stories of what the kinds of generosity it can be. It is a, a state of being that you're just already operating in. You don't even, I think Dave had that beautiful picture was like, you're just going to operate. Like you've never even known you were operating like that. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. even know that that's a thing. Like, I'm like, that's, an amazing thing yeah. to look forward to. And realizing that we all have something to give. Yeah. Like whether it's yes. resources or our time or our energy. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was actually doing a devotion with some of our like 10, 12 year olds at BJM. And I was like, how do you teach generosity to a 12 year old? <laughs> so I asked them like, what does generosity mean to you? And one of my 12 year old sat there for a second and she was like, well, I have candy. I can share my candy. That's and I'm so like, good. yes, this is what... <laughs> This is what we, how you yes. cultivate generosity is you literally, whatever's in your hand, whatever mm-hmm. you have to bring to the table, that's what you bring to the table to share. Yeah, so whether it. it is your finances or energy or care or support or candy, like that's yes. what you bring yeah. to the table. <laughs> I love that reframing of it because mm-hmm. I think, um, well, uh, I'll get way nerdy for yeah. a sec here. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's like this Aristotelian virtue called magnanimity, which <laughs> has to do with like a person who has made a lot of money over their lifetime and then they are generous Mm -hmm. because they can give really, really big. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's named as a virtue because it takes virtue to make a lot of money and Mm -hmm. to be willing to be given, give it all Mm -hmm. away. Sure. Like Mm -hmm. it makes sense. But the, this biblical critique of that is the story of, uh, like the widow's might Mm -hmm. and, 
And in this, it's exactly speaking to what you're, you're saying, Gabby, where we hear this story of uh, there's a wealthy man who goes to give his offering and he gives a large amount of money and he says, look at me, look at what I'm giving, whatever. And then, <laughs> then there's this widow who just quietly puts in her small mm-hmm. amount of money. And, um, but it was all that she had. Mm-hmm. And, and she just did it quietly, but she gave all that she had, mm-hmm. right? And who's the more generous? Who's the more worshipful in their giving? Yeah. It's the one who's willing to give it all up. It's not about uh, how much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right? It, it all has to do with, will I live in the freedom of giving generously? And actually like the threshold for what generous means shifts mm-hmm. according to each person, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I think almost like it, it's almost always known by how sacrificial it feels mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. How much of me is going with this gift mm-hmm. that I'm giving. Mm-hmm. And if we are, are like not giving that much <laughs> yeah. of ourselves or what we have, yeah. uh, it's frankly just less generous. Mm-hmm. It just is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're sitting on like mountains of cash and then we give, you know, when Bill Gates gives a million dollars, that's change for him. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, for, you know, a person who, you know, has, <laughs> has a hundred dollars in their bank account right now, mm-hmm. which that's a lot of the, mm-hmm. the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're giving $50, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so all that to say, there's a relative thing mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. that I think is worth paying attention to because it is therefore in the heart of the giver in light of what it is that they have to give of their time or their finances or whatever it might be and how much are they giving them, like giving sacrificially and abundantly mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think that generosity and freedom is linked. Wow. I can't imagine mm-hmm. the freedom of being a, like a fully generous person of being really detached from like the weight that comes with, with wealth, mm-hmm. but being able to just completely give it away and be, and realize that we're just stewards mm-hmm. of all that we've been given. But like what a weight lifted off of our chest and like a freedom that comes with realizing that we're just stewards. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. It makes me think of when we think about consumerism, or at least what I do, it's, it's almost like we operate in a sense that things will run out. So we run out in mm-hmm. scarcity. Oh, so true. So we are saving and we're working in every way we're orientating our life. And even in justice, there is some resource of ourself that will run out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm like, but in God's economy, that does not run out. Like mm-hmm. our generosity just spurs more generosity. It's like, it like replenishes and like creates new life from things like that. And so I just think the thing to get over, at least for me, is like, gosh, consumerism makes you think that you need more mm-hmm. to gain more mm-hmm. and it will run out. So you better get it now or something. Yeah. So it's like this weird, um, ha- I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about it. I'm getting stressed out. Yes. Like, you know, so you're like, you're constantly doing it. It will never end. And yeah, that is not the way we're meant to live. Man, we were just talking <laughs> about that idea of like, 
at the beginning of the pandemic where everyone went out and bought meat or toilet paper <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like this Gotta last hoard it. Gotta yeah, hoard it. exactly. Yeah. The last year has like sh- <laughs> like shown a light on like our consumerism and our scarcity <laughs> mentality in a lot of ways. And yeah. so the way that you break that is you move in the opposite spirit mm-hmm. of yes. that. So like at the beginning of COVID, I have friends that live up on Telegraph Hill and to break the scarcity mentality, they put out toilet paper for their neighbors. Like that was their, the way that they chose to like interrupt that narrative of like, I need all the toilet paper. I need all the things. They're like, actually, we're going to give this away. Mm. Yes. And Mm. trust that God is going to replenish our toilet paper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He has manna for each new day. Right. He has a sheet for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, The, uh, I, I got a good laugh Thanks, out of that one. I'm very proud. That was, that was um, a good one. So I think all of us are kind of gesturing to like how enchanting, uh, consumerism materialism is and how it, um, it keeps us in a mindset of scarcity, mm-hmm. um, where we don't have enough, mm-hmm. uh, or even if we do, we're always like, but maybe there's better out there. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more of the best out yeah. there for me, yeah. uh, a, a better better object, a better Mm -hmm. bike, a better apartment, a better meal, a better bottle of wine, whatever it is, like a a better vacation. And, um, and that's, I'm going to put the money into that, right. Or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I'm not trying to create, create some false dichotomy where all of that is absolutely evil or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I I just think there is this hamster wheel that we can get on Mm -hmm. where, um, and I'm curious, you know, uh, I'll be vulnerable first, but I want to all of us to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. what what are the enchanting consumerism mm. materialism things for you? And, um, you know, if you're listening at home, you know, like, yeah. what, what is this for you? Um, because uh, like, so for example, like one of the sites, websites that I frequent is uh, like New York Times, the wire cutter, where mm-hmm. it gives you like the reviews on the best version of X object, yeah. or, you know, X like household appliance yeah. or whatever it might be. And I always go to it to get like the report on what, what's the best thing so that I can make sure that I'm only buying the best thing. Right. Mm. And, um, and, uh, and so I think that's like one way that the, the, the cult of consumerism, uh, can latch a hold of me. What one like very practical Mm -hmm. thing I can point to in my life, um, where, uh, you know, I'm reading reviews on, different kinds of classical nylon string guitars that I might want to buy. <laughs> and I like spent too much time on it. I haven't mm-hmm. bought it and I won't buy it anytime soon. And yet I have read so many reviews of it and just think about like the ways that mm-hmm. consumerism absorbs attention, like shopping becomes a pastime and researching what you're going to buy. And, um, so, I mean, there's my vulnerability mm-hmm. of like, that's what that looks like for me. Mm-hmm. But how about for either of you? Like what are the, you know, enchanting, uh, consumeristic oh, man. things for you. You hit on something, Matt, with like the shop. Like, I don't do a lot of online shopping, but I do love the research. I yeah. do love the process of the research. And I think I've also had this narrative in my head sometimes where I'm like, I'm not going to spend money unless I know it's the best of the best. And I'm justifying it because I'm only, I'm going to overspend. Mm-hmm. on this. So it also hits like both consumerism and simplicity yeah. to be like, mm. if I'm going to buy this one item, I'm going to buy the most expensive <laughs> top item. Yeah. It is like a pair of jeans or something. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, I will spend this money on jeans. I'm like, Oh my gosh, no. And actually like practicing that is like one, I've told my community that and they're like, yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And yeah. to think of like time is time as like something that I'm spending on mm. that research and, and being convicted by that and saying like, gosh, that's not, I don't want to spend my time on that. It's not helpful. It's mm. not fruitful. Yeah. It's not sharing anything. This is mostly just for my enjoyment and thinking, you know, and it kind of gets mixed up with the motivations there. It's like, yeah. I think I'm doing it for this righteous reason. Mm. I think Abby, yeah. you hit on something sure. like justice and righteousness. And it's so simple in my mind that it's a pair of clothing or something. And, and it's really much more than that. And so mm-hmm. making choices in that way is, is really convicting. That's interesting. Thank you. I think that I come from a lens that I grew up in a family that was probably lower income. Mm -hmm. And so, and well, maybe not according to how much we brought in, but my mom had a chronic illness for most of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of the, the things that inhibit me from practice generosity is like the, well, what if something happens? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. if me or my husband get sick? What if when we do have a child that like something like sick, there will be sickness and we won't be able to afford this. What if we like get in an accident, like that type of mentality of like, I'm actually going to withhold because if something happens, I want to make sure that we're like taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like, in a crazy turn, I was thinking this morning of like, who are people that practice generosity the most? And honestly, like one of my, the people that's the most generous is my dad, Mm. who like, even in the face of like layoffs and strikes and my mom having cancer, like he still practiced generosity in every Mm. way that he could, whether it was Mm -hmm. um, giving away money or giving like food, like that was his like big service item is that like when there was somebody that had a baby or was sick or had a death in the family, he like, he would cook food for them and bring Mm. food over to them, even in the face of like what seemed like lack and his faith of trusting that God was going to provide for our family. So I think that Mm. as an adult, I've actually forgotten that part of my Mm. upbringing, that my family Mm. was still incredibly generous, Mm. even though we really didn't have very much. Mm. But in my like, lack of better word, trauma, I looked at the lack and then as Mm. an adult was like, well, I need to protect my finances. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to like provide mm-hmm. yeah, because I don't ultimately trust that God will. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you're getting at like, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you like putting in the narrative, the origin story yeah. of this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah. Cause we all, we yeah. all carry an origin story of like, this is the story that I, I mm-hmm. carry around money and wealth and how, how much I would give financially, yeah. how much I would, how much I would give of my time, whatever. We all have a story going on in our brains about mm-hmm. it. And, uh, all we have to do is ask, I wonder where that came from. Mm-hmm. And God, do you have something else? Mm-hmm. Do you have a new story for me? Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's like, maybe you want something new for me in this. And I think that's a powerful thing to, uh, for all of us to ask. And, you know, I'll, I'll be thinking about God, do you have a new story for me around like my, my like consumer report yeah. shopping <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. trends, totally, yeah. you know, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this even just spawned the idea too, where I have lots of conversations with people, I think, especially in the Bay area where we think that I think our commodity is time. Mm-hmm. And so, so true. we are challenged to say, what about my time? How can I be generous with my time? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can give money and I'm sorry, but money isn't the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm going to like donate to this cause or use that as this like weird social leverage in a mm-hmm. way and being like, 
I've donated millions to this thing, but yet I'm unwilling to give my time. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it just depends too. Yeah. Like if there's other things I'm wondering in our life that are like that, that isn't That's about so money. Like, and I am, I'm convicted to be challenging to, for people to say like, of yourself, give of yourself. What is that That's thing? Good. Mm-hmm. Like, let's ask God, what is it? Is it time? Maybe. Is it money for you? Maybe. But, yeah. um, I'm just noticing kind of an idol in our kind of area where I'm like, it's, it's about time. I don't have time for that. I don't have time oh to go my to this. Gosh. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I, so, I yeah. notice. I think that's really true. I, I, um, I, I think about being interruptible as being mm, like a real tell yeah. of this, like mm-hmm. how interruptible are we, you know? Yeah. And, um, I know I get, I can get really scarce with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that's just like very practically overbooking myself, yeah. leaving mm-hmm. no margin for yes. anything. And I'm, you know, I, I, I have no time to talk to the guy as I'm leaving my building because I'm, totally. yeah. I'm running late for my meeting. Like, yeah. and, and what would it look like to actually carve out time mm. for, for cushion, <laughs> for generosity? Kathy? Totally. You're yeah, smiling like, yes. pretty big right there. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I, <laughs> Preach. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I'll be here yes. all the rest of this podcast. The um, so the but yeah, I think time is like such a mm. uh, and I mean people always say time is money, right? Like, yeah. and it's not for one thing, but uh, it, it's actually more precious than that. It's mm-hmm. um, it's our attention, it's our care, it's our concern, like for other people. It's uh, how much we're willing to pause to consider another. And, um, one of the things that we always run into, uh, on our church staff, mm-hmm. uh, because we're, we're a church that has plenty of people who are very, very generous in how they serve mm-hmm. and the way that they give their time and service to the church and very, very thankful for that. But also there's plenty of people who are just like, like we invite them into things. And the answer is just, I have no time. Yeah. How, how would I have time for that? Well, I, I you know, my pastoral word for that is. <laughs> You make time for yeah. it. Yeah. Like that's, and, and I hope this is like mildly convicting and mm-hmm. challenging for mm-hmm. some people, which is like, we, we learn to prioritize things in order to be generous. And, uh, again, bring this back to what you're saying earlier, Gabby, like there mm-hmm. will be some disadvantaging ourselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, we might lose sleep over it. Mm-hmm. We might we might say no to a, like a fun social thing that we had planned, right. For the sake of being of service. Um, and not just to our church, but to our community or, you know, to your family, whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, but, uh, to be that much more interruptible in your life. So, yeah, I think that you made a really good point when you were talking about, I was running, like I have, I don't create margin in my life. So when I do see people that, I should be interrupted by, to be really honest. Like there are people that I will walk on the way to work that I'll just not even pay attention to because Air, AirPods in on mm-hmm. a mission, right? But to say that we intentionally live in San Francisco, we intentionally live in our neighborhoods to be like mm-hmm. the the salt and light of the earth, then we we better create margin to be the salt and light of the mm-hmm. earth on our on our way to something, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just convicted by that right now because mm-hmm. I'm so often running late <laughs> that <laughs> I'm just like on a mission. So yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The sacrifice well, of margin. As I convict you, I also <laughs> am convicted myself. So you're in good company. We are in good company. And there's grace, there's abundant grace for it all. And I think there is a 
just a moment of clarity again for all this. Yeah. Like, what if we, what if we change? And, yeah. and then again, like not, not just so that we can like, you know, say we did it, but mm. this is part of a bigger contribution to a biblically just world. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that does prioritize having a little bit of margin to love your neighbor, mm-hmm. like your actual neighbor that you run into in your way out of your building. Right. And the people in your path, like I think Dave specifically <laughs> yeah. said yeah. that is like, yeah. how do you start? You start with the people that are in your path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would even add to that going out of your way to ensure that there are people in your path yes. huh. or like being more attentive to the people in mm-hmm. your path that, um, being proximate to people matters. And so mm-hmm. whether it's your coworkers, people that you walk by on the street, like being intentional and it's hard with masks. I just want to add that yeah. like oh, extra, yeah, yeah. like, yes, piece yeah. in. <laughs> so I have started like, cause normally you just like smile and like nod and like that you were kind, like yeah, yeah. whatever. But I have intentionally been like, Hey, nice shoes. And like engaging like a little <laughs> bit further. That way people are like, Oh, you, you did make eye yeah. contact with me. I wasn't imagining that, you know, and just yeah. making the extra mile to intentionally be kind, mm-hmm. create margin and then intentionally be kind. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, before we close, like, do we want to add any encouraging words or things that you're challenged, um, just for our church? Um, and, any other last thoughts? I think I'll um, encourage our church with. Uh, w- oh gosh, man! <laughs> I think you're hearing me get like maybe mildly choked up because mm-hmm. this was like a really touching sermon for me, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and convicting in ways that like mm-hmm. just hit home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it feels like the invitation into a more substantial and mature practicing of our faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I just encourage everybody in our church, let's take it up together. Mm -hmm. You know, God is gracious. He's kind. We just have to do it one step at a time, you know, Mm -hmm. but let's, Mm -hmm. let's take it up together. And we, we always say in our church, um, and we believe it to be true that we're a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our mm-hmm, city. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what the seeking renewal looks like mm. is for us to, um, yeah, be willing to simplify our lives so much, you know, find some margin so that we can be generous with our time and with our finances and in doing so contribute, uh, even self-sacrificially to a more just San Francisco, yeah. I mean, Bay Area, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or wherever you are listening, right? So that's, um, let's let's take that up so that we can be people who are outwardly focused in an appropriate way to to seek seek God's kingdom coming and uh, be co-laborers with that mm-hmm. uh, as it's happening. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I think that I would want to leave us with the thought of, and Dave touched on it a little bit, not being overwhelmed by the hugeness of what justice can be, mm-hmm. but taking the first step of mm-hmm. that. So like there is a lot of work to be done on a systemic level. Like that's pretty <laughs> undeniable. And, and there mm-hmm. are like, there needs to be faith filled, spirit filled people in those arenas guiding mm-hmm. that conversation. And there also needs to be somebody that gives the cup of water that visits the person in, in prison. There needs yes. to be like both and. And I don't know that we'll ever get to the systemic level of 
activism and integration of our faith if we're not willing to give the water, if we're not willing to like do the small acts, the small steps of justice. I don't know that we'll leap from the from doing like nothing Mm. to being like in these huge like places of being able to speak Mm -hmm. into systemic injustice without first practicing the small steps of of compassion and the small steps of justice. And it's both and, right? So we need to, as a community, commit to the full way. And Dave alluded to it, like, this will be years. Like, it'll be, it's a process. Like, there will be years where we, like, build out towards this justice and build out towards this generosity of our resources. But it starts with the small steps and being faithful with Mm -hmm. the small steps and trusting that God will will use those small, those small acts of justice towards the greater, the greater picture, but that we, um, we build the capacity to be generous by practicing generosity. Mm-hmm. That's good. That um, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I love that so much. Um, I, I know yeah. we're wrapping up. Can I say yeah, one more? One course, I'm so course. sorry. Yeah. It's just like, uh, one thing, my amazing, brilliant, beautiful wife, Lindsay said is, yesterday as we were processing mm-hmm. the sermon, um, it was to this point, Gabby, um, and she said it and it gave me pause. Um, like we have not honed in our appreciation of imperfection mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's really easy to be kind of in the armchair critic role of like, here's the thing that needs to happen systemically. And, you know, that's the change mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Um, all the while not doing anything to like, love the person mm-hmm, who lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on on the street in front of our house right mm-hmm. and uh we you know we become theoretical about mm-hmm. justice yeah. uh, rather than practical and it i think part of it is because love and appreciation for a person aren't the skill that we've honed mm-hmm. right and we have to learn how to love the imperfect thing that exists in this imperfect system mm-hmm. and these the people who are prey to it and whatever. And we just need to like own that skill to keep loving the imperfect thing mm-hmm. as slowly as you're saying, you know, that builds up the capacity to speak to the much bigger systemic thing. Mm-hmm. But whoever's been entrusted with little will be entrusted with much, but first we got to be <laughs> willing and humble to be entrusted with the little mm-hmm. and be, proactive in it you know uh versus mm-hmm. thinking that we we've already graduated to being policy makers mm-hmm. right yeah. mm-hmm. um so i i just had to add that because i think what you're saying there gabby is an extremely important point which is we get to do this stuff right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we don't have to do it on the big scale we're not ready to do it in the big scale most of us yet right mm-hmm. like first we need to do it on the very small scale and like making eye contact with the person and telling them nice shoes, right? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I love what you guys had to say. I think before we had even started this podcast, Gabby, you and I were talking about John Perkins and just his incredible ministry and just, gosh, hero of just justice. And his simple definition of biblical justice was the redistribution of resources. Yeah. And how that just, that just resonated with me and like you guys hearing your story of just how it starts we have our own thing in our own world and what we see in our own eyes. Like that's our unique perspective. Um, and then also it alluded to something too that Matt, you and I just got finished talking about, which yeah. is how I would just encourage the church too, is that it's really easy for us to become critics. Yeah. 
You know, we can sit all day and talk about all the negative things about justice and what the church is and isn't doing and what we're consuming and what we're not consuming, but actually it matters and our invitation is to be contributors. Mm. We start yeah. with what we have mm-hmm. and we start where we can and it is in our path or whatever our eyesight is, you know, that's that's it. And taking that kind of responsibility seriously as following Jesus is to be like, I'm going to contribute what I can in whatever mm-hmm. capacity I can right now. And um, yeah, we won't let fear consume us, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. about large systemic things because God has that too. Mm-hmm. He knows that too. So yeah. yeah. Any other last, last thoughts, last little tidbits? <laughs> so good. I'm so, so good. grateful to be here with you guys. Yeah, today. this has been really this fun. Been really fun. good conversation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we will look forward to seeing you soon and in person, hopefully. So yes. thanks. Thanks.